Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and it's been fun to have Melinda Schmidt on with me this summer. We've been doing these summer shift podcasts. If you've, uh, if you're catching the first one today, you might look back at the last several. So, welcome back to Melinda. Always good to have you on the podcast. Hi there. Oh, nice to be here. It's been interesting this summer. Um, how shifting has kind of evolved as a topic in many yeah. forms for us. It's yeah, yeah, it has been interesting. And we've gotten response from a variety of listeners. Yeah. I grabbed two or three um, emails to just share briefly. Um, Kristen said, thank you for more episodes with Melinda. I appreciate hearing both of you together, getting to hear your journey of growth and change over the years since radio. And um, yes, and we've certainly been talking about some of those shifts in our lives. And then another friend commented um, and said, I've been catching up on your podcasts. I love, love, love your messages. Very thought provoking with such open-minded conversations, especially love them with Melinda Schmidt. Keep it up and often. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and we heard from Kathleen as well, who um, has emailed a couple of different times, but I really thought this was interesting. I, I did too, as I heard you just reading that one, um, how Kathleen also says the honesty has been refreshing. And um, I think that is something that we really begin to search for. Yes. As, and, you know, as we're shifting or kind of rethinking life, something provokes that or something in our spirit just provokes it. But she talks about um, her own opinion on some of our topics this summer. She said, I think many of us have felt confusion and dismay, and frustration, and even anger, mm-hmm. at what feels like the co-opting of Christianity. Um, Kathleen says, what I often see is certainly not the flag I sail under. Mm-hmm. And haven't so many felt that way in the last seven years or so with uh, elections and COVID? It's like, wow, you know, my political party, or my belief systems, or my friends' opinions, or whatever, things are changing. Um, she said it would be too easy, she admits, as a Catholic to opt out on the grounds of my being Catholic. She said Catholics share in the complicity and have their own brand of insanity, she says. <laughs> uh, she said, I lived through the institutional cover-up of ped- pedophilia um, and all that scandal that was uncovered um, back in the early 2000s and then the pandemic and all of this going on, she said, it's really painful to watch all over again, the rending of hearts, torpedoing of values and massive collateral damage. And again, it's just all these like surprising things that are blowing up how, how we have felt about institutions that we've been affiliated with family relationships, friends, opinions that we just kind of took for granted. It's really going to be interesting, isn't it? Decades from now, when the writers write books, about the shifts of the last decade or so. 
Well, we've talked before. You, I think, have brought it up, but um, uh, Phyllis Tickle, who who wrote about um, and others have too, but about the the cycle, what the five hundred year cycle, right, in the church, right, and that we are, you know, any of us who are in that um, in the church are are in the midst of that cycle. And what what uh, you've got better words for it probably than I do, but well. That's, if you subtract 500 years from now, you're talking about Martin Luther and the Reformation. Reformation. Yeah. Hello. Right. Completely upended the Catholic Church. Um, interestingly, let's all remember he remained a Catholic because there was no Lutheran Church <laughs> immediately after Not yet. that. That's so, right. You know, he just kept struggling. And yeah. um, here we are again. You know, Struggling I know Aaron talks about that as well. And I know we're going to talk about him later yeah. today. Well, I think with all of this, um, it takes me back, at least probably both of us back to the fact that when we come into this world at birth, um, life is about finding safety and stability. And mm. as we move through the decades of life, we find that we begin to shift from stability to instability. And isn't that the truth? I mean, that's what we were just talking about. Um, it happens different times all along our life spectrum, whether it's our twenties, our thirties, our fifties or beyond. Um, you know, no matter where you are sitting right now, I'm sure you're nodding your head. Um, no matter what age you find yourself or what decade you find yourself in, uh, but life's realities find us and you, that's where you and I have been living. Life's realities are finding us. Yeah. And I think they do along our lifetime, but we have coping skills or we go to denial or we just keep trying or we push ahead or we overlook things, but you know, stuff is, is happening, but it's, it's normal to skip over it and try to just keep thriving. I, I even think of nature, you know, it, you can have storms, tropical storms, hurricanes, you know, snow, whatever, you know, happens out there and nature pretty much stays in place. But if you walk through a forest, you'll see that after a while, some trees were destabilized and they fell and, or maybe a storm came. I know, you know, you guys have had a tropical storm in Florida and hurricane recently. And, you know, maybe some palm trees were uprooted, although I'm always so amazed at how strong they are and bendable in storms. And, but isn't that like life? But things, you know, destabilize us. And so, you know, this does kind of draw our attention and, you know, to our to our souls and our lives, like what's going on here? And especially in the Western world, mm. you know, stability is really promoted, not only as desirable, but attainable. And we can really feel knocked off of our stable moorings along the way. We may begin to wonder if we're just kind of hopelessly doomed to a life we didn't choose. Maybe it's a relationship or a health diagnosis or a business upset, or maybe we become really hurt by other people or institutions. We can even wonder, am I going crazy? Like, is it just me that's, that's feeling this way? You know, when this kind of famil familiarity and patterns of, of daily life from, from God to relationships or our health or our own selves just gets, uprooted destabilized things well, shift and i think i think it's interesting that you talked about um in the west how stability is promoted and uh, 
not only desirable, but attainable. And I will often say to maybe a spiritual direction client or, you know, in conversation with someone that, that in the West, often we actually didn't have to, we talk about trusting God, but mm. didn't have to, because, um, we could, we could fix our own problems with our own resources. Right. Right. And until we couldn't. And then when we get to a place where we can't, then I think there's a crisis of faith, right. which a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about formation. And I think Rich Velotis talks about um, how we can easily be shallowly formed. And I think that the church has in a lot of ways done a job of shallow formation, not, not deeper spiritual formation. And, oh, um, oh, oh. and so- wow. I think that's why we find ourselves upended when some little or big, you know, I mean, I'm uh, crisis comes along, but I don't think it has to take all that much when instability hits that we quickly fall off the rails faith wise. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just even opinions about what's going on in the world. Like, could you have imagined 10 years ago that you and your friends would have differences of opinion. Well, wait, wait about... a minute. Wait a minute. Let's go back before that. I couldn't imagine 10 years ago that I actually would have an opinion. Oh. I I now have opinions. Mm. And I want to express them. Mm. And I feel strongly about them. So I'm sure that's been a shift for you because yeah. now you're speaking up. Yes. Maybe there's some that you don't particularly speak with anymore or you know whatever but you know these are shifts in relationships and then we start examining ourselves like you did and you're like well what do I believe what do I even think about x topic right you know and then you know yeah you're right even to to God you know there are points where we get to like okay I'm I'm still trying <laughs> to hang on here God but um, help me out. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, something you, you talked about, um, you know, what Rich Lotus said, um, reminded me of a Frederick Beatner quote, and um, I'll just read it, but he talks about the shift. And this is brief um, in the church, and he's talking to, to pastors, but he's talking about authenticity. Um, I'll just read it. He said, English speaking tourists abroad are inclined to believe that if they only speak English loudly and distinctly and slowly enough, the natives will know what's being said, even though they don't understand a single word of the language. Think of us today. If I just shout it one more time or give you one more resource, then you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. I, I'm so sorry. I have to interject. True story. My dear grandmother on my mom's, on my dad's side was deaf, 100%. She couldn't speak either. Truly a parishioner. When she came to visit a parishioner at one of my dad's churches stood in front of her and shouted, oh <laughs> shouted talked louder thinking she could hear you know yeah sorry yeah. but yeah, yeah beakers yeah. that's a great point right well it just points out the oh, stupidity you know um, but he goes on to say preachers often make the same mistake they believe that if only they speak the ancient verities loudly and distinctly and slowly enough 
their congregations will understand them. Unfortunately, the only language people really understand is their own language. And unless preachers are prepared to translate the ancient truths into it, they might as well save their breath. And I thought that was so good about authenticity. And even today, you know, I know we've been rethinking church since COVID. You know, what are the new languages we need? What is going on? If we're still in the pulpit or with our friends or family, just talking more loudly, you know, um, where's the understanding, the ability to listen Mm -hmm. or to detach ourselves even or to reexamine, you know, whatever it might be? Well, and I'm thinking not only the message, you know, trying to say it more loudly or with more eloquent words or whatever. Uh, How about shifting and giving that message in a completely different form by using emotional engagement? How about compassion? Mm -hmm. How might that be heard a lot more than shouting, you know, shouting it? And I sort of picked up on that in Kathleen's email, just the disappointment and sadness in what the heck we're even hearing in church congregations or conversations and these polls that, you know, we're Christians. So we speak from that point of view, what they're disclosing about how Christians are perceived. I honestly don't think Anita, that some Christian bodies care I think they're just like Beekner says stuck on their truth. And unless they're prepared to translate that, they might as well save their breath. Um, So, you know, that's, that's a shift. That's a shift that needs to be made and needs to be, um, you know, we need to exemplify that. I don't know if you can think of any examples. I know you talk sometimes about being at the pool where you live and having conversations with people. And I'm sure that not everyone agrees with everything and that you're translating both your faith or other opinion. Well, to those I, that you socialize with. I, I think two thoughts came to my mind. One, I, I knew I had read this just recently. I think it was from um, one of Mike's recent rumblings and it was a Stephen Covey quote, the biggest communication problem is that we do not listen to understand. Mm. We listen to reply. We Mm. must first seek to understand, then to be understood. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking of those in, in any kind of ministry position. You know, do we really want to understand? Well, and I was just talking with a client that we are created for community. So what and and that I, I mean you can argue with me on this about the purpose of the church but i don't think it's to sit under some great orator because how many really true truly great orators are there out there <laughs> right um but i'd rather be in a church with a great shepherd somebody mm-hmm. who and, and someone who can build and grow community i think we're i think we go to church for that sense of community 
and developing it. And I'm not going to see eye to eye with the person next to me. I don't necessarily see eye to eye with the person I'm swimming next to in the pool, but can have really interesting conversations Mm -hmm. and, um, and agree to disagree or, or can laugh about our differences. I mean, it's actually been a good, um, it's been a good space for me to try out thoughts and right. Yes. It's been right. a wonderful. Right. What are those spaces for us in our world? Right. And I think, right. I think community is, of course, COVID didn't help granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but are we, where are those places of community where we can try out our thoughts and ideas and do a little, you know, iron sharpening iron or just bumping up against someone else and, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Or, yeah. Or not, or not saying everything we're thinking. Oh, 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 that. (laughs) Yes. Is it worth it? You know, there's a woman that lives several apartments down from us here in California. And, you know, there was something going on in our community and we were out there talking and kind of watching what was going on. And, and we introduced ourselves and she said, her name is Karen. She said, but I'm not a Karen, which then she proceeded to be everything <laughs> that a Karen is, <laughs> which I'm so sorry for anyone named Karen. <laughs> That's a shift. <laughs> isn't it? Um, you know, and, but I, I realized, you know, there's no talking her out of what she believes, but I think of that saying, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And showing the love of Jesus, the kindness and compassion, as you mentioned earlier, might be a shift for us as we interact with other people. We don't have to convert everybody to our opinion. We don't have to fight back. You well, know, use caution. I, I, I just had this conversation with a spiritual direction client, and it was about the fruit of the spirit. I, I said, if we just... exhibited, lived out, breathed out the fruit of the spirit. If, if all we did was get up and read the fruit of the spirit every day and how, what kind of a difference do you think that would make? That's not just living that way. Do you think that might be kind of winsome to be that kind of person? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. How about just be good people? How about be the church that's known for being good people, uh, open people, you know, inclusive people? Um, You know, I think of um, Rodney Stark's research, and of course, he's just recently passed away out of Baylor, which talks about the early church and the impact on the Roman Empire. Um. And the early church, like, saved lives, stuck around during some plague. You know, there are all kinds of things. You can look it up. Well, it makes you start thinking about how hospitals were, who it was that got hospitals going. It's people of faith, right? Right. Oh, such a good point. In Europe, you know, really the Catholic church, Mm -hmm. they were the hospitals and educators of Europeans. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it might be a shift to just to, you know, to think differently about how we present as people of faith. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like it was. You and know, we're called to, to, the world is new and we're called to approach it in new ways, kind of like what Beekner says. 
And I, I really do want to say this and don't say, oh, I can't change. This is just the way I am. Oh. That's a big fat lie. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. You might as well we, say, I won't change. I want, that's exactly right. We all can change. We all can grow. We all can make shifts. I'm not saying it's easy, but we all can. Yeah. 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 No, that's big shifts that we're being called to. Um, I found something else I wanted to kind of bring to the conversation today. This is from our friend, Joyce Rupp, who Love I know her. had on the program program or the podcast program my back to my radio days with you it's <laughs> okay um this is from her book rest your dreams on a little twig i love that book it's isn't it a book of her poetry yeah and um nature drawings by barbara loomis which i'll are post it incredible it, they're really beautiful drawings i'll post that in the show notes yeah love that yeah yeah, yeah. and um this is a different kind of shifting but it kind of snagged me so I'll just read it um, and then we can kind of talk about how it hits us. But she writes, I am no longer quite so deceived by the shadows of my life. Oh, it brings tears to my eyes. Wow. I am no longer quite so deceived by mm. the shadows of my life. It is painful to come out into the open. Mm. Even though the sun is magnificent in warmth, I can hardly bear its light. Yet I've lived beneath toadstools and under shrubbery far too long. It is time to stand strong and to welcome bright sunbeams. Well, let's talk about what that actually looks like. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I was thinking that, you know, I've lived beneath toadstools and dark shrubbery, whatever it was that she said. I, I think it's easy to hide. I, I literally just had this conversation with a client. It's easy to hide. Um, we were made I'll say it again. It's I, I know that I'm a broken record sometimes with this, but you know what? I'm preaching to myself. Mm. I am preaching to myself. We were made for community. And sometimes I want to hide from community. But mm. every time I push myself into that space of another, mm -hmm. I am so glad I did. Mm. I am always glad I did. Mm. Or rarely I'm rarely am I not glad. <laughs> yeah. So is that coming into the light for you? I think it's coming into the, it's coming into the light for me. That's how I see that. Now others can, what the beauty of poetry is others can interpret it differently. I'm curious if you have what your thought thoughts on right. it are. Well, you know, um, pretty much every day it's sunny in Southern California <laughs> and I am really coming to love the sun. But there are days, even one day we'll say, okay, it's foggy today or the marine layers come in. It's kind of a break. Yes. You know, and, and so when she says, even though the sun is magnificent mm. in warmth, I can hardly bear its light. Mm. And when we go through shifts, um, when we, like, as she says, aren't deceived anymore by the shadows of our life. Yeah it can be painful to come out into the light. And maybe we have friends and family underneath the shrubbery and they're happy there. 
and they don't want to join us out in the sun. Um, so that's what I, I, I love that interpretation. That, yeah. That, you know, it coming, coming out yeah. of anything. It's like, you want sunglasses, you want sunscreen, you want to wear clothes that are UV protective or whatever. Oh, yeah, Cause you sometimes get burned when you come out. Ooh, right. 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 Mm-hmm. right. That's so good. And, and it can be painful. Um, but she says, you know, it's time to stand strong and to welcome bright sunbeams. That's a nice little thought at the end. But upon reflection, I just think it's a good reminder of the shifts that many are making personally in life as they get in touch, like we talked about earlier, with the realities of life, the realities of life. You know, my marriage is broken or my point of view is broken or my body's falling apart right as we age or whatever broken Mm -hmm. you know and as we said earlier i mean this comes at any age you know i think we kind of our brains plug in they say you know when we're in our mid-20s but you know there are disappointments along the way and i think we need to attend to you know even as we move through the decades these younger generations that are broken and hurting who can they turn to as we talked earlier, are they going to go to a church that's all full of rah, 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 and not translating for now? I, I just had a big email conversation with Chris Fabry. This was so interesting. And we were talking about what does it look like and mean to be sage right. or to be, you know, we've used the, the language, Janet Davis has used, used the language to be a crone maiden Mm -hmm. mother crone Mm -hmm. we don't love that word in the west because we think of someone as wrinkly and old well (laughs) on it yeah an old witch you know honestly uh, i i don't do i love the wrinkles no but do i appreciate how they came to be yes um and what they mean some you know that's a different Mm. part of it and and it's I, I'll equate it, I guess, to, to wisdom. And you were talking about some of the dear younger ones who are just broken and wounded right. and how might we, can we, could we, would we, will we speak into their lives when yeah. opportunity allows? In grad school, I wrote a research paper on the fact that millennials, and this was years ago, um, were open to mentoring. And my paper was out of Wheaton College, so it was based from a faith perspective. But um, I just wrote about, you know, if churches would get a mentoring program going for 20-somethings, 30-somethings, the research showed that they were open to that and really hungry for it. And again, that's where if we jump out of our decade and can have compassion for the decade we are not in, I'm really seeing it more holistically rather than you're a boomer, you're a this, you're a that. No, we just have different characteristics, you know, about where we've put it every 10 years, you know, in Western thought, but we're all one. We're all one. We're all sitting around the fire together Mm -hmm. and we all have gifts to bring the strength of youth, but the mind of an older generation and the wisdom and the comfort. So where where, where did uh, I watched a documentary or a news piece or something where in some European country, I feel like it was a Scandinavian country, probably 
<laughs> right? The some the twenty somethings or early thirty somethings were moving in with older elderly. Yeah. And they were cohabitating and helping one another. As you just said, the strength of youth and the wisdom of of the older, that what they right. contributed to each other. Yeah. I think St- Scandinavian co- countries have been more prone that way. Yes, seeing, I agree. Seeing humanity as a whole, also Asians, you know, yeah. they live together, but we're individualistic and separation is really important to us. But um, even well, thinking about community in, in the Asian culture, it's the youth, it's the old, you know, Sometimes, sure, it's not always the ideal sort of thing. Yeah, but it's what does everybody have to contribute? I'm sure in in parts of the continent of Africa, it's the same. Oh, right, right, or more. Well, probably families. everywhere besides yeah, except the Canada West. and America, right. <laughs> <laughs> and probably even more so America. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Oh, um, it made me think too of Brian McLaren. I was listening to a podcast recently um, that's put out by the Center for Action and Contemplation, Richard Rohr's organization. And McLaren was talking, it was season four. I just found this. It was a friend, Wendy Cox, a friend that sent the podcast to me. I was so glad. And um, it it was season four of a podcast I knew nothing about, episode two with Barbara Brown Taylor um, called Include and Transcend. And McLaren at one point McLaren talked about um stages of faith they were talking about stages of faith and I think that's also a, a piece of this conversation as well some of these things right. happen a little bit more easily as mm-hmm. we sure. are further along in these stages of faith and there was a lot more to the podcast um of which I probably can't necessarily um elucidate right now um uh, but I went back to episode one and loved it. And actually, I want to go back and, and listen to the whole series. I've sort of gotten out of listening to podcasts, um, it, you know, just different phase of life right now, but I'm starting to move back into that. Mm-hmm. But McLaren with his warmth and wisdom and uh, gentle manner just drew me in. Yeah. And I so appreciate how he has engaged with the whole faith and doubt conversation and um you know st- am i st- do i want to still be christian you know posing right. this question right. And, right. and um and the i mean my answer is yes but boy i want to take a deeper fuller look like what we're talking about here on this podcast and some of the others this summer yeah yeah well back to kathleen's email that we read a portion of at the beginning you know just the sadness, the heartbreak, the doubts, the questions. We talked with Marla Taviano about that, you know, a former guest on the program we used to co-host together, who now is names herself as an agnostic. That's a shift. And she actually still sees herself in that, you know, pond of evolving. And again, you know, things just aren't the same. And I think you're right about Brian and also Barbara Brown Taylor, just the way that they can have compassion and wisdom for those shifts along the way and integrate it with faith is really beautiful. I got to listen to part of that podcast after you told me you liked it so much. And it kind of then goes back to Beekner about translation. How do we translate? 
mm-hmm. faith for today. Yeah. Well, um, and I, yeah. th- I, and, I think and his books, his recent books about doubt, faith, doubt, yeah. and staying for, yeah. And when I am speaking of books, I was thinking of Barbara Brown Taylor, just the title, learning to walk in the dark, you know, another wonderful book and, and thoughtful and thought provoking. And these are the kinds of conversations we need to be having and continue to have. And I'm thinking two of the first lines of the Joyce Rupp poem that we talked about together here. I'm no longer quite so deceived by the shadows of my life. And once you come out and you see those shadows for what they are, shifts are inevitable. And I hope that even our conversations this summer have been strengthening for people that might feel alone or say, am I going crazy or what's wrong with me or what's happening here? No, there's a community from writers to podcasting to even our conversations we've had that are supportive and saying, no, keep going keep moving toward the sun. We're all in this together. We're all around the campfire together. This is okay. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Sometimes it means finding a bit of new community and hope we're introducing you to some new voices oh, that so be part of your new community. I hope yeah. so too. That's my prayer. Yeah. Likewise. Well, Melinda, as always, just great to sit and converse with you and to raise some of these important topics, I think. So uh, love that. And to everyone else, you know, you've heard the conversation. I hope that you will keep it going. 